Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. See you later. Hey. Hey. Hey, if you need to give online, you can text to give up there. Tyler's learning all the new stuff. You like my mat? I'm about to get down. It's about to go down. How are you guys doing? Happy Father's Day. How was worship? Did you guys feel that tension in the room? Hey, listen, my, my, my goal as a leader, um, as me and my wife pastor, is that you would learn that when there's a tension in the room and when it's not easy, you would push through that. Because life's not about easy. You guys, you guys, whether you know it or not, if you've been here any amount of time, it's easy for us. Listen, we go to other churches. We minister, me and Steve, about two months ago, we're at a church, and it was a grind. But I'll tell you what, after grinding, Steve, it was outside, and Stephen was going with his flags. He was all sweaty, and, I was, and then he preached, and it was not easy. But at the end of the service, God moved, and when God moves, everything changes. And so when, when sometimes people come into a room, well, God's just not moving. No, 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 that's weak sauce. We move God's heart with our adoration and our praise. Do you hear what I said? We, we move God. He's moved by our, our adoration. He's moved by us coming wholeheartedly to him. He is faithful in that he can't not respond. He is attracted to a yielded heart that is willing to push through the feelings. Anybody can worship when they feel it. Are you alive? Anybody can worship when you feel it. When Cubs singing in the right key, anybody can worship. You know what I'm saying? When destiny's going hard on the floor, but there are times where people walk into things, into the room with something. And your worship, your praise, and your adoration, it creates an environment where that thing has to die. It's not that it might die, it has to die. Because in the presence of Jesus, everything bows. And that includes whatever addiction, whatever depression, whatever oppression, all of it dies at the name of Jesus. Like, well, why do you worship for an hour? Because he's the point. He's the point. We are here. We are here to encounter Jesus and meet king, kingdom-minded people that we're going to do life with. So if you're here, you feel kind of disconnected, I would say, press into his presence and get in community. Do you hear what I said? Press into Jesus. You're, some of you, the reason that God isn't moving on you the way that you were uh, three months ago is because he's waiting for you to step into your closet. Did you hear what I'm saying? He's waiting for you to step into a new measure of his grace and his glory that's available, not in a room full of 100 and something people, but when it's just you and him and you're fully exposed. And it's just you and your heart. Amen? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. You can open up your Bibles to John chapter 5. Happy Father's Day. Fatherhood is the best hood. Amen? It's the best hood. John chapter 5. Oh, man, I feel the Lord. Listen, it's just me and my Bible today. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with it. John chapter five, when you're there, say I'm there. Oh, that's about like third of the room. When you're there, say I'm there. We've been, now all of you can say it. I'm there. Oh, I feel so good. What Tyler said was right, man. That heaviness lifted off the room. So good. John chapter 5, we've been in a series called Encounters, and we've been talking about different encounters in the Bible, and part of what we have been trying to do as a body is steward what God is doing among us. So remember, we've been saying this throughout the whole thing. To those who steward well what God gives them, God will give more. That's a principle. When God gives you money, when God gives you resources, when God gives you community and family, mentors, people to, to train and disciple, the way you approach that thing, the, your willingness to fully give yourself to that will open you up for God to give you more. 
So you're like, well, well, I want more. I want to go deeper in God's presence, and I want more. Well, I would ask you, how are you stewarding what God is doing in your life right now? Your resources, your friendships, your marriage, your children, all of it. Did you see all the kids in here today? It's because people have started to get convicted and saying, God is saying that he has given me that child, and I have to steward it. So not only is God moving in, in, in our corporate sanctuary, but you're seeing God break into homes where little kids, my son, uh, the Groves family, different, the Duggar family, different people where God is coming into the home and their kids are watching their parents respond to God and they say, I want that. The greatest inheritance you can give your children is to passionately burn for the Lord. For them to see you regardless of your pride and how you feel and, and the uncomfortableness, the greatest thing you can give your children is a heart yielded, fully surrendered to God. Where they see this progression that as you go about your life, you're contending for the more of God. You're not settled for a nine to five Christianity where everything's mundane and the same. No, you're going from glory to glory. So we talked about Moses encountering the burning bush. Do you remember this? We talked about Abraham and how, how he created an Ishmael, but God wanted an Isaac. And last week, Pastor Tyler talking about the glory in the temple. Do you remember this? Yeah. This is not only something that's going to happen in this house. We're believing it's going to happen in your home. We're believing that revival is going to start in homes. Revival doesn't start in ministries. It lands in hearts. And when revival, when a move of God, how do I know what revival is? Revival is when the Spirit of God has apprehended your heart. It's not a series of meetings. It's not goosebumps in the room. It's when your heart is fully yielded and surrendered and you have a full yes for him. And every part, of, every part of your being cries out, I want more of you, Jesus. That's when you know revival has hit your heart. That's when you know it's landed in a people. And so we've been, we've been pushing, we've been contending, and it's been so encouraging what God, can I share, I want to share some testimonies. Can I do that? Doesn't matter, I'm doing it anyways. Hey, you want to come up? Yeah, yeah, you, Yes. Hey, say hey for Aubrey. I just met her this morning. But last week, um, I was right there and I was worshiping. And uh, I was on my face. It happens every service. And as I'm worshiping, I feel someone come to pray for me. And when someone prays, I don't care how you feel about this. When she started praying for me, I didn't know it was her. Literally, like, electricity started going through my body. And I didn't want to move. If you've never felt that, listen, it's, it's ridiculous to think that the God of the universe would walk into the room and you and your body not respond. It's ridiculous. Like, when Jesus comes into the room, your, your flesh has nothing to do but respond. You may not just not be aware of it. So as I'm, I'm kneeled down, I thought it was Bood because Bood's my homeboy, and I know when he prays, he carries something. So I hear Bood praying, but there was multiple sets of hands. And so after service, they were like, hey, Aubrey, who had just given her life to the Lord on Friday... It's praying for me on Sunday. And so I just, can, can you briefly share like what God did on that Friday night and just what's he, what he's been doing? There's no wrong way to share it. I just want to say, okay? Um, I'm crumbling. <laughs> uh, I've been bawling my eyes out like every time I'm here. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> okay. Um, so anytime like I'm here, I have this like, weird connection with Cub. I I don't know, it's just random, you know? He he reached out to me, but, like, was talking to me without actually talking to me. And even today, like, he said he doesn't want anyone perfect, and I was like, you're screaming that at me. <laughs> and I'm just, like, the type of person who puts so much pressure on myself to be 
perfect and trying to do the best I can to, like, follow God and everything like that. I lost my way, like, a while back. I, I'm, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm, like, shaking from prayer, so. Um, I was so close with God since I was, like, really little, and I was moved by him, and everyone was, like, drawn to me. I've always been told, like, I'm the type of person to be drawn to people. And then I lost my way because I moved, and then now I'm back because of Kylie. She introduced me to this church. So, yeah. It's so good, so good. So I love it because on Friday night they're worshiping, and Cub, Cub was, he's like, I had a meeting with him. He's like, bro, something happened on Friday night. He's like, I had a word. He's like, and during worship, I kept thinking, I need to give her this word, right? Like this, like God gave him a word of knowledge. It's biblical. Gave her a word of knowledge for a person. And you got to know when God gives you a word, there's power in the word. I'm about to show you that scripturally. But he's like, so during worship, I'm staring at her. And he's like, I feel like a creeper. She probably thinks I'm a creeper. You know when that happens? Like when God tells you to do something and you're like, oh, I'm so freaking, your heart starts pounding. You're not better than that. It's, it's what happens to everyone. And so she comes up and grabs the mic and begins to share how, there was this tension, and I think it's a tension we all wrestle with, right, where you're getting pulled by the world, but you know there's this amazing God who's calling you. And it was just incredible to see her respond through the word, and so she grabbed the mic, and then other people said, I had that word, right? I had that word for you, and they shared the word, and flash forward, um, fast forward, flash forward, fast forward to Sunday, and they're all on the front, and the, what God's doing in the youth is incredible. You understand? Some of y'all need to catch up. Because it's amazing to see what God can do with someone who doesn't understand religion, doesn't understand all of the things. It's just like, it's just them and God, and he is passionately pursuing them. And that's what I believe God is wanting to do. Like, I, I believe, and this is my, my point for today, I believe that God is trying to transition us. We're a people who are always like, well, maybe tomorrow. Well, maybe I live my life that way. I live my life through my teenage years thinking I'll do everything I want to do now, and when I'm about 25 or 30, I'll give my life to Jesus, and then I'll get it together. So I'll do all my, all my drinking and all my drugs, and I'll have my good time. What a, what, a, what, a, what a skewed view. And some of us, we live that way. I'll just do me now, and then I'll get it together eventually. But I believe God is saying he wants tomorrow to become today. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? The greatest enemy of, of the move of God is you thinking that it's going to happen tomorrow when he wants it to happen today. Come on. 25 years ago today, God landed in Pensacola, and millions of people went through the doors of a church called Brownsville. And there was immense repentance People weeping in the altars because not because a preacher was carrying something, but because the presence of God came into that building. And there had been a people who had been contending in prayer for 10 years for a move of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but on Wednesdays and Saturday nights, we contend for God to fall into this community here for two hours every Wednesday and every Saturday. You're like, well, I want to grow in the spirit. I want to grow. That's where you grow. You learn how to pray. You learn how to dig in. There's no preaching, no prophesying, no good feelings. Oh, they, they sing good. It's great, but... But it's just the people responding to God in whatever way he would have them respond. And what I have found, last night we came into this room, and as we came in, there wasn't a lot of people. There was like four of us in here. And you know, things just feel different when there's a lot of people in the room. It's easier to coast in, like, oh, I feel so good. There's so many people. And as I was sitting over there, I, I felt God tell me, what you do tonight is significant. For you to make a decision in your heart that no matter who's in the room, you're going to lay your heart before me. Because it's not about people, it's about me. Do you hear what I'm saying? And no matter who's running, it doesn't matter how many of you worship Jesus for an hour, I'm worshiping Jesus for an hour. 
And we lead the way. We lead the way because we know that as we lead the way, he comes and he responds. So I want to go to John. I'll shut up now with that. John chapter 5. It says this. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda. Say Bethesda. Bethesda. People have come to this house and they say that this house is the pool of Bethesda. You understand this? That God is moving and he's stirring. And I'll explain that to you in a second. The pool of Bethesda had five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. They laid on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. So for 38 years, he had been sick. And he, was, he, was, he had issues in his life. I want you to catch this. For 38 years, that's longer than I've been alive. He's been laying on a mat on a porch waiting for God. And so I want, I want to put some context here. There was this place that they would come, and Jesus enters into Sheepgate, which Sheepgate was the place where all the sacrificial lambs would enter in for the sacrifices. So picture this. The lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth, the perfect lamb who we sang about, is entering in through Sheepgate, but they don't recognize him. In the midst of people that were 38 plus years, this was what happened. They would take the people and they would separate them into sections, five different porches. They would put the paralyzed over here. It's the same thing we do today. We would like to ostracize. We'll put the LGBTQ here and we'll put the Republicans here. We'll put the Democrats here and we'll all, you understand what I'm saying? And we like to separate, but Jesus walks in and he breaks all cultural boundaries. The perfect lamb of God walks into Sheepgate where all of the people, he wasn't, in the, he wasn't at, the, at the tabernacle, he wasn't in the church, he walked to where the sick were. And he was intentional. You have to know Jesus is intentional. Some of you are in this room today and for years you've been carrying these things and it's just become a part of your life. This weight and this anxiety and these things that like, some of them, when my wife was singing that, nothing hidden, nothing unseen. I feel that for you. That you would be able, how do we become a people that walk, that, that climb the mountain of the Lord with a pure hand and a clean heart? We, we are honest and vulnerable. Before people and before the Lord. If you can't love me when I'm not at 100, you don't love me. So Jesus walks into Sheepgate. And all of these people are laid over porches. You got to imagine these people had been doing life. They all knew one another, but, but I just want to say, for this man, for this day was for that man. You understand what I'm saying? That was the day for him. And I feel that today, as I was laying in my bed last night, that today is your day. Say, it's my day. Like you mean it, it's my day. Like for you to enter into what God has for you, you can't live in yesterday. You have to step into what God has for you now. He's not interested in your yesterday, he's more interested in your tomorrow. So Jesus walks in. I love this. Uh, you understand, like, little parts of Scripture, can, they can grip your heart and change you. Jesus walks into this place with hundreds of people on mats, and it says, when Jesus, oh, Jesus, help me. Verse 6, it says this, Jesus saw him, and he knew him. Do you understand? We just read over that. But I need you to know and understand today that no matter what kind of dysfunction you are in, Jesus sees you and he knows you. Oh, if you could just let that land in your heart. Because today's Father's Day and the real issue we have in the church is we don't understand the heart of the Father. Jesus would walk into our life and we would believe he would touch everybody else around the pool except us. These were people who were around the pool to begin with because they believed. And it was said that an angel of the Lord would come and it would stir the waters. 
It would stir the waters, and as the water stirred, the first crippled, lame, blind, paralyzed that got into the water was healed. And so they congregated. This is the church. Every single week, we come together, and hundreds of us congregate, believing maybe today's my day. And what I'm trying to show you today is the king of kings, when he walks into the room, he sees you and he knows you. He sees you and he knows you. He walks into this room, into a place. You know what's funny? The Bethesda can be translated into many things. One of the things that it can be translated to is place of outpouring. Another one can be house of grace, house of mercy. But the interesting thing is that all of these people, they had been congregating, congregating in a place that was called house of grace, but it was all works. The only thing that was happening is the person who within their own strength can make it into the water first was healed. That's the opposite of grace. This is the opposite of mercy. And so Jesus walks into this place and he's about to redefine what outpouring mercy and grace looks like. So he walks in. Are you okay? (laughs) Jesus saw him and he knew he had been ill. And he asked him this question, would you like to get well? What a question for a man who's been laying next to a pool that is about healing for 38 years. Would you like to get well? Another translation, uh, this can be translated in multiple ways. One of the things that Jesus could have said in that moment is, do you want what I have for you? Another translation in the TPT says that Jesus says, do you believe that you are already made whole? Present tense. Like, did you recognize that I walked into the room and when I walked into the room, wholeness had already hit your body? Some of you are waiting for something to happen in your life that has already been finished. That's why it is called the finished work of the cross. Not the working work of the cross. As we yield, it's so simple. It's not, some of you are like, well, maybe if I come to church for three months and then. No. We encounter the King Jesus, the Lamb who we sang about, and he's entering into our sheep gate. And when we lock eyes with him, everything changes. It's as if the guy was was saying to the guy, don't you recognize that as I'm in your presence, you were already made whole. (sighs) Do you want what I have for you? And the man responds in the greatest statement of faith ever. I can't, sir. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the waters bubble up. What a statement. Faith was arising. This should encourage someone because some of you don't think you have enough faith. But I want you to see this was a man that had zero faith. Maybe if I had a little bit more faith, and if I was like Gio, or if I was like Destiny, or if I was like Pastor Tyler, stop it. I can't. Someone always gets there ahead of me. This is, this, is a, this is an orphan spirit if I've ever seen it, and a victim mentality. I can't because has stopped more people of walking into their destiny than I don't know anything else. I can't because... And we disqualify ourselves and we stop dreaming with God. And I need you to know that the moment, the moment Jesus says this, verse verse 8. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So, So catch this. Jesus asked the man, do you want what I have for you? Do you believe that you are already made whole? Do you want to get well? The the man's laying on a mat. I'm about to model for you. What's up? (laughs) I'm in a mood. I'm sorry. If I can't have fun here, I don't want to do it. (laughs) The man, no, no, picture, stop it. The man is on a mat. 
The Lamb of God walks in through the gate. He doesn't recognize him. This is the Church of America. Jesus walks into the room and we don't recognize him and we're busy talking about, well, I don't have and I can't do and I don't have and I can't do. Do you want, and the question for us, do you want what I have for you? I don't know what you're in need of, but he has it. He's able. And so the man responds in doubt, I can't because there's just not enough people and I never make it in time and I'm just not a good enough Christian and I smoke and I drink and I cuss and I do this and I do that. And Jesus just says to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk, which for that man, it was an impossibility. You understand this? It was an impossibility for a man who had been 38 years plastered to the ground. So to do what Jesus was telling him to do. But I want you to recognize something today that when the words come out of the mouth of Jesus, those words carry life. The words are alive. The only thing that can bring death to the words of Jesus is your lack and your inability to walk into them. I feel better. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Oh, I love this. The beginning of verse 9 is amazing. Say instantly. It wasn't progressive. Like, hey, let me put you in a discipleship program, and we'll get a good teacher, man. We can get Paul, and he'll take you 12 weeks through, and he'll teach you, and then you'll be. It wasn't that, and we're good with that. You understand we're good with that? But my Bible says instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his mat, and he began walking. I don't know what that looks like for you today, but it has to look like something. It's time for the bride of Christ to stand up and walk in wholeness. Not in partial wholeness, not just a little bit here, not just on Sunday mornings when we all want to look good, but to really be whole. That when the words of Jesus, they land in our hearts, it has landed in fertile soil. Do you understand that? A hard heart will rob you of your destiny. So he rolls up his mat. This is my wife's prayer mat. Super anointed. Stephen's like, that mat, bro. <laughs> he rolled up his mat. But, but, but I want you to see this. It's important for us. Say it matters. But the miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders, they objected. They said to the man who was cured, you cannot work on the Sabbath. You like my, I should have a translation. You cannot work on the Sabbath. The law does not allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know that Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Did you, did you catch that? We read over that. I want you to understand this principle. The man is, the man is lame. Jesus walks into the place, Bethesda place of healing of outpouring. Jesus is in the place of outpouring. He performs a miracle. The moment that religiosity walks into the room, Jesus disappears. Like, like the moment somebody was like, well, you no, no, no. How can, how can someone who got touched on Friday pray for you on Sunday and then God touch you like that? Disappears out of the room. The moment you're like, well, how can God use a pastor with tattoos? Whoop, out of the room. <laughs> out of the room. 
And some of us were contending for, for we're, we're believing God. We've been, we've been in moves of God. We've been in places where God has moved, and we're believing, we're believing, and we're believing. But our religiosity is getting in the way of a true outpouring. And so people begin to question, well, why do you do things that way? Let's talk to Jesus, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. You know what I love about this story? The, the, the one thing that enabled that man to be comfortable in his dysfunction now became a testimony of his healing. That's why we're never afraid in this church to share who we really were. I was a drug addict, and I was a lot of things, but that only becomes a testimony of what God did. It only becomes a testimony of the power of God. And so I, I want to share, share one more testimony. Okay, can I have like five more minutes? Some of us, we hear Bible stories sometimes, and we're like, what does that look like in, in, in modern context, right? Like, there's no pull-up Bethesda. We have a pond in the back, but, you know, there's not, there's not this, like, it's hard for us to imagine what that would look like in our lives today. Can we agree with that? And so I, I want to share a testimony. Some of you have heard it, but I, but I felt it this morning during worship. Hey, Kenny, I want you to come up. I want you to understand the power of when God speaks and, and how words are alive. How many of you know my brother? Yeah. I'm the better looking one, but it's okay. So for those, for those of you that don't know, um, we came here and I, I struggle with addiction and my brother struggled with addictions. And for years, I want to infuse you with faith. That people are about to get up off their mats and about to walk. Do you hear me? It could be you, but it could also be your son. It could also be your daughter. And so for years, man, I got saved in 2008. For years, I would talk to my brother. It got to the point in our relationship where I couldn't talk to him about God. Am I lying? I used to text him. I had one picture of him preaching. And at about 2, I, I, I stay up late at about 2 o'clock in the morning. I knew. I, I could, you know how you can, you can just feel that somebody's doing something bad? Just feel it. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was sending the picture and say, I just want to remind you who you are. It was one picture of him preaching. Just want to remind you. He would never hit me back, ever. So I'd be praying and I'd be praying. You wouldn't come to church. We had been here. He actually moved here. Then he moved back away and, and began to struggle. I mean, what, what drug didn't he use? What, what wasn't he addicted to? And we began to, to pray. I stopped, I stopped trying to work. You understand? I stopped trying to work. And we made a choice about three years ago. We were just going to worship Jesus with everything we had, and we were going to let him do the work. Some of y'all didn't catch that. So we began to pray, and about, it was over a year ago now, man. I love that we're sharing it out because I want you to see that when Jesus does it, it sticks. I was sleeping on a Friday night, and I had a dream. And in the dream, I was going down I-4. You know I-4, that ungodly road? Driving down I-4 in the dream, and in the dream I was at exit 55. Exit 55, it was like, you need to read Revelations. It was like the sky split open, and it was going down. And in my dream, when it happened, my immediate thought was Kenny, my brother's name. Immediate, like Kenny. And this whole scenario happened. I saw my family, you know, and I saw my brother get left, and I woke up, and when I say I was sweating, I was sweating. I woke up, my wife, I said, I had this dream. And I don't know what it means, but something's not, like, something's going on. So I called him on Saturday. I said, Kenny, I want to take you. This was after the send. I, I, anyways, long story. I took him to Orlando. We waited in the service in line for three hours. We couldn't get in the service. On Sunday morning, I stood up on the stage, and you guys remember I prayed for prodigals? I don't know if you remember that. We were a lot less people. 
Every, I prayed for prodigals, prodigals coming home. And we prayed, we wept. I went to Orlando, stood in line. They cut us 10 people short. Three hours. My brother was like, had just been like sober. He wasn't even, I don't even want to go there. He was sweating. They don't let us in. And I go back to my mom's house. My mom's here. And, and I was upset, man. I, I dropped them back off at the house. They're like, you can go to Overflow. I said, bull crap, I'm leaving. And I left. I was, I was mad. And my, my wife was here praying with the women. And I called her. And I was so upset. I wanted to cry. And I was like, everything didn't work. I'm mad. I was mad. You ever been mad with God? No, not y'all. But I was mad. <laughs> I was mad because I had my whole plan. So Destiny started praying. I turned the car around, and I took him to the front porch. And I sat him on the front porch, and I, and I said, listen, you're just going to listen to me. I don't care what, what you say. Just listen, because I'm responsible for what God says to me. You understand that? When God speaks to you, you're responsible for that word. So I share with him what God had said. Exit 55, and this happened, and that, the whole dream vivid. And I'm on the front porch, and he starts crying, and that's about as far as I had planned. We, we really don't. I cry a lot more now, but we just don't do that. So when he started crying, I was like, I'm a little uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> we're men. And I asked him, I said, Kenny, what's, what's going on? He said, well, about eight months ago, I had a dream. Some of y'all aren't going to believe this, but it's okay. Eight months ago, I had a dream, and in the dream, I was driving down exit 55. You want to share the dream, bro? Here, you share. So, yeah, so like he was saying, um, he told me, we sat in the porch, and he told me, he was like, um, he told me the dream, and I just immediately started crying. I'm like, I was like, nah, question. Like, it can't be real. Because I, I told him, I was like, listen, I had that same dream eight months ago. I was driving down I-4 on exit 55, and I heard the sound of trumpets really loud, and the sky started to open up, and... At that moment, I knew, I was like, oh, man, I failed. Like, where I'm at right now, there's no way I'm going to make it to heaven. And all traffic stopped. I got out of my car. I just dropped to my knees, looking into the sky, seeing Jesus and the angels coming down. I'm like, I just started pausing. Like, please give me one more chance. And then I see my whole family up there with them, and I'm trying to speak to them, but they can't. They hear me, but I can't hear them. And I'm just broken and torn. And I'm telling them, um basically cut it short, you know, I'm trying to talk to them, not, they're going to heaven, I'm, I'm crying to God, and, and then behind me, a, a hole opens up dark, and I fall, start basically falling into hell, and then I wake up, and I was sweating that morning, I remember, I was like, my heart was beating super fast, so I told him, I was just crying, cause I was like, man, like, that moment it hit me, I was like, I, I uh, turned that dream down, I was like, eight months ago, and I was like, man, God still went to my brother to come to me, and give him the dream just to reach me because he still cares about me. So we're sitting there, and I'm crying to him, and he's like, man, this is it. Like, you, you need to give your life back to, to the Lord. So I'm like, all right, so he's, I'm going to walk you through these steps. I'm like, okay, so I close my eyes. I want you to picture a tree. And I'm like, all right, I picture a tree. And I'm like, this is kind of dumb. And he's like, I want you to picture, he's like, I want you to picture an apple. So I picture an apple picture this, picture that. And he's like, I want you to picture Jesus. The moment he said that, everything turned dark. And I was like, oh, man, like, I'm crying. I was like, I can't see him. I was like, I saw the apple, I saw the tree, but I can't see him. And at this moment, I'm taken into, like, this vision. And it's just me and him sitting in the front porch of my mom's house. 
And uh, I remember I was sitting down, and I was like this, and I'm crying. I'm like, I can't see him. And then I look up for a moment, and I'm kind of now sitting in a hallway. It's like a long hallway. And in the hallway, there's screens to the left and screens to the right. And in my screen, in the screens is my whole life, but it's nothing good. It's just a bunch, everything I've done wrong in my life. And the moment I look up, I see Jesus at the distance walking towards me. And immediately I like put my head, I'm like, oh, like, no. I was like, nope. I start crying. I, I don't want to do this. I'm, uh, I'm just crying. Like, I'm sorry. And the more I try to see him, it was like the screen started getting brighter and brighter trying to distract me. And I catch myself. I see Jesus walking. Now he starts walking towards me. And if you guys want to like picture this, I'm sitting there and he's walking. Every, every step he's taking towards me, a screen just started like kind of like when a TV back in the day, it would go bad. Would, you guys know what I'm talking about. Every step he took, the screen started disappearing. So then I'm, I'm crying. And at that moment, he's about halfway now. And I can't even look at his face. So I'm looking at his feet. And I'm just like, Jesus, I'm sorry. Like, I failed you. I failed my family. I was I'm not worthy to come back after leaving and saying, and saying to him, I said to him, I choose the world over you because you took my grandmother from me. I put the blame of him taking my grandma who passed a couple years ago. And I was like, I, I'm sorry. And at that moment, I'm sitting and I look up again and now his feet is right here. He's right in front of me. I looked and I see his face and he's just standing right in front of me. And, and at this point, I'm just bawling and, and I'm in, I feel like knives are just stabbing me in my heart. Like, this is the moment, like, you know, the devil was really trying really hard. I put it like that. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm sorry, sorry. At the moment he kneels, he kneels down in front of me and he wraps his arms around me, just starts hugging me. Now, the, it wasn't like a, a visual hug. I literally felt the arms of the king wrap around my back. I looked at Gio. I was like, I thought Gio was hugging me. And he's like, what's going on? I was like, bro, Jesus just hugged me. Like, it was, I don't know how else to say. Like, his arms were wrapped around my back. And immediately when he hugged me, everything went away. The screens were just gone. I got poured. It was like, it was like a waterfall of love just fell into my heart. And, and, he, and the, the great and the beauty about it was he didn't even have to speak. His actions, his hug just sealed the deal and was like, you know what? You left me, but I never left you. And that just like immediately the next day I, I was working, I was crying. My homeboys look at me like I was like stupid, like, like, yo, why are you crying? I was like, I just got to go. And I quit my job and I moved back over here. And I've been here for now about a year and five months. And I love the Lord, man. There's nothing. I would never go back, bro. Sometimes we do like things like this on encounters and you guys think that it, we think that it's emotionalism. Having a conversation with, with Tyler, we're at Romero's house. If you haven't had a steak from Romero, you just haven't had life. <laughs> Be invited, you better go. But we're sitting there and Tyler asked my brother because my brother has been multiple times that he moved to Jacksonville with me. Uh, he moved here when we moved. This was probably the fourth time, fifth time that he had said yes to Jesus. And it would be a couple of months he'd do good, and then it was this reverse. And Tyler asked him on the couch, what, what was different this time? Like, what made it stick? Kenny said it was the encounter. I was sitting on that park 
bench. And he's crying, and I'm like, what's the Lord doing? Like, we're both crying. Like, he's hugging me. I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, look at, I'm trying, you understand, like, it was such a holy moment. And I think we miss out on many holy moments because we think that they only happen right here. Like, we think that, like, it's got to be led through Geo. But to see God come on a front porch of my mom's house, the only other person who knew about Dream was my mom. But to see that, to see that God would land in that place and under, with the understanding that that's, that's a modern, modern day pull up Bethesda moment. A person who's been in addiction for their whole life, who a couple of nights before said, I wanted to kill myself and tried to OD. And the Lord, I believe the Lord kept him alive. That God would meet him on a front porch, not through Michael Koulianos and Bethel, because that's where we were going. But just through, through some humble, like through his brother, just broken on that front porch saying, God loves you. And the reversal that happens when we give ourselves in those kind of encounters is irreplaceable. You understand what I'm saying? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand. Can we just close our eyes for a moment? I just want us to respond to that. What Jesus did for Kenny, he'll do it for you. What he did for Kenny, he'll do it for your kids. I really don't care how long you've been running. I believe that today can be your day. But some of us, we've been living out of our dysfunction for way, way too long. Making excuses. We make our circle those who are lame and paralyzed too so we feel better about the dysfunction. And I feel like today the Lord is saying, pick up your mat and walk. I feel the Lord on that. It's time to let that go. For some people in this room, that, that I feel this, ooh, it's control. Man, I don't know who you are. It's control. And the Lord is saying it's time to let go of control. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I just want to worship for a second. Can you, can you do that again, bro, King of Kings? Just soft, man. Hey, just engage your heart for a moment. Lord. Oh, you're beautiful. Yeah. 
Somebody in the room right now needs to know the Lord sees you and he knows you. Oh, I don't know who you are. But he's glad. He is, he is glad with you. Oh, I just feel that. Let every lie that says that, that God is far die right now. Oh, I just, he's, he's near. I'm just going to make this really simple today. If you're here and you have found yourself tired oh, man. remember what I said vulnerability is the doorway you like I identify with that I I've been laying on my mat and I've been sitting on the side I've been making excuses I just want you to lift up your hand right now where are you at come on all around we're gonna pray family style who else keep them up because I, I want you guys to find hey where my, my leaders go find somebody and we're gonna pray over them right now it's okay if you lifted it twice. That's fine. Oh, I believe, like, pick up your mat and walk kind of day. If you don't have your hand up, I want you to find, find someone. And I just want you to begin to pray. If you're not praying for someone, just begin to pray. And just begin to break it right now. All around the room. All around the room. All around the room. Oh, we worship. All around the room. You're, even if you just have to worship, just in the atmosphere right now, release it. Come on, loud. Break that thing off of them. Father, every single person that's been carrying addiction, bondage, weight, sickness, we bind sickness right now in Jesus' name. Every lie of the enemy. Every lie of the enemy. Yeah, come on. He's in the room. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. No, continue praying. Pray through that thing. Come on. Oh, I, I, a new banner. Freedom. Banner of freedom over every person. Father, we thank you that your word says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh, come close, Lord. Yeah, open up your heart. Come on, nothing withheld. This is family. Just let it out. God, I thank you that you give beauty for ashes and joy for mourning. Oh, praise for heaviness. Come on, a little bit longer. Pray like it was your kid. Jesus. We rebuke the enemy right now. Oh, full yes, full surrender. Freedom. 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 I feel it. Freedom. Freedom. Use us, God. Use us, God. 
Come on, pray passion over them right now. Father, I pray passion and a stirring inside of them. That your spirit would go before them and stir. That we would fan the flame. Yes, Lord. Oh, I thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Father, I pray for a fresh baptism of love. Some of you just need to receive love, love, love. Wow. Wow. Come on. Come on. worship you father hey fix your eyes on Jesus right now all around the room when he's lifted up he draws all men unto him oh Jesus every weight broken comparison dead Complacency dead. Oh Lord, we won't grow tired or weary of pressing in, Lord. Come on. 
give you guys a, a quick update about the youth you know we talked about it earlier and I think it's relative to what he was saying um, the other week I was sitting here in youth and we were worshiping and I was on my face and then I looked up and I looked back at my students to make sure they were all safe and everything and every one of them was in worship like if you know anything about youth ministry you know sometimes they're not gonna be they're gonna be looking at their phone they're gonna be doing this every one of them were deeply involved in worship they were genuinely worshiping the king and it was a, it was an amazing thing for me to see you know, we go out after every youth, we go out and eat, we go somewhere, and we just go hang out. We spend time with each other because we believe that building relationships is the core to, to bring in revival, right? So we're like, we're just hanging out with each other. And then one day I had uh, one of my students, Jalen, can you raise your hand, bro? He texted me and he goes, you know what, man? I just realized something. He said, I just realized that every time we go somewhere, we leave an impact with the people that were there. And I said to the pastor, I was like, they're getting it they're getting it. They're starting to get it. And this morning, as I was praying before we came here, I had a little vision of, of Jalen. Jalen, can I get you to come up here, please? And leaders, can I get y'all to help me? I want to pray for him real quick. All right, I'm not going to go into detail, but Jalen has been, he deals with a lot in his life. He's got a lot going on, right? And what I've seen about Jalen was that the Lord was calling him a bulldozer. He's saying there's obstacles that, that have been placed in his life, and Jalen just keeps smashing them. Every time something comes before him, he smashes right through them. There is nothing that's going to stop this young man from worshiping Jesus the way Jesus deserves to be worshipped. No sickness, no anything going on, no depression, no anything is going to stop him from pursuing Jesus. And a lot of times, even with us, if it rains outside, we're not going to come to church. This man is dealing with something more than what anybody can realize, and he comes to church. He comes to youth. He worships. He pursues him relentlessly. And Jesus said, he is my bulldozer. And for that, today, we are going to anoint him as a young man of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Jalen, God. Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing in his family. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, today we ask that you would show him exactly who he is, God, that confidence would build in his heart, God, that he would move as the mighty man of God that he is. God, that he would go forward in the purpose that you have for him. Lord, today we anoint him and ask that you would help him to move forward in the things you have for him. God, give him dreams, give him visions, God. God, bless him. Bless him, Lord, bless his family. Father, right now we just come against all lupus and we tell it to leave his body right now in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for healing. We thank you for healing that you paid for on the cross. We thank you right now that we tell lupus to leave in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No more symptoms. No more acting out right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your healing, God. We thank you what you did on the cross. We thank right now we declare divine health in the name of Jesus. Divine health in the name of Jesus. Right now perfect health right now over his body from his head to his feet right now no more symptoms we tell it to go in the name of Jesus we tell it to go in the name of Jesus we thank you for your blood God 
We thank you for your blood. We thank you that it covers, it covers, it covers, it covers. God, we thank you for every stripe that you took on your body, Father, for our healing. That we can come before you boldly and receive healing right now in the name of Jesus. We worship you. Come on, let's just, let's just put out our hands. Father, I ask that that same spirit that you've put, that bulldog spirit, that bulldozer spirit, put it in us, God. Oh, come on. Whether you know it, you need a little bit more of that in your life. Rain or shine, health or sickness, my spirit praises the Lord. Father, help us, Father, to have that spirit. We worship you, Lord, and we thank you. We receive, we receive, we receive. And Father, we bless every single person here. We bless you and you're coming and you're going. That every part of your life would have God all over it. Father, I ask that everywhere they would look, they would see you. That you would become more real than anything else, God. That we would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Touch us, Father, deeper and deeper, God. Oh, we bless you and we worship you. And we thank you for everything you've done today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Give God a hand, yeah? You know, I'm convinced that the Bible says that. Uh, I believe that we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be surprised at the people who God calls great. I believe I don't want that. And I also believe that many of the things we think are significant here just don't hold weight in heaven. So we have to explore what makes his heart glad. Amen. I love you guys. We'll see you guys next week, yeah? Go give somebody a hug. We'll see y'all next week.